We're going to talk some tennis um, because the Aussie Open is in full swing and I know everyone had an absolute blast uh, following the ASB Classic uh, and joining us now out of Melbourne, Simon Cambers, he's a uh, very well respected tennis journalist, author and broadcaster. We have him on the line with us now. Uh, morning to you, Simon. Yeah, very good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. Now, uh, I, I sort of jinxed it yesterday when I messaged you and I said, oh, the weather's probably a lot better over there than it is here. But I understand there was a bit <laughs> of rain about. I know you come down from the, you know, you come down from up north. You're probably expecting to, the, to come down to the uh, to the Australian sun, but uh, not not to be yesterday. I know. It's not what we paid for. It's not what we expected. <laughs> it was uh, it was hammering down yesterday morning, but it, it cleared by about two. And, and luckily, of course, they have three covered courts, so it doesn't make too much of a difference. No, not at all. Um, let's start uh, with uh, Coco Goff. Win last night against uh, fellow American Carolina at Dole Heights, 7 6 6 And I'm sure you can appreciate um, the interest for the Kiwis in, in Coco Goff, who was just recently at the ASB Classic winning it as well. Uh, but the Australian Open not being too kind uh, to Coco Goff over the years. She's only ever made it to the fourth round. How do you feel her game is looking in, in 2024? Well, I think she's a very different player these days than she was in, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous to say about somebody so young than than she was when she first came along. Um, she is a US Open champion. She's a Grand Slam champion. Her game has improved so much in the last couple of years, especially the last year under the tutelage of Brad Gilbert, the uh, famous coach who helped Andre Agassi and Andy Roddick to number one and stuff. So I think she's full of confidence. You saw that in New Zealand. Um, she is. She weathered a storm yesterday in a slightly difficult, awkward match against Caroline Dollarhide. But she's um, she's one to beat. She's She's really got a live chance of winning this thing. I want to talk to you about um, a player that's perhaps not on everyone's radar, but it's a story that I read uh, this morning about um, Storm Hunter, the Australian tennis player who's uh, number one in the doubles, uh, in the women's doubles, but making strides in the singles game over the last uh, couple of years now through to the third round. Um, is it fair to say that's quite unique? I, I often, I feel singles players go to doubles and, and, you know, succeed there, but not often do you sort of get someone who has been more specialised in doubles going to singles and, and making a fist of it. Is that somewhat unique? It doesn't happen often, but it, it has happened. And, and interestingly, if you think about Sam Stosa, um, who obviously was one of Australia's best ever uh, female players, won the US Open in 2011. She actually started out as a sort of doubles player and focused more on that in her couple, first couple of years and then realized that she had the aptitude to play singles and became uh, a top, top player. So it is unusual, but Storm, Storm Hunter, it, what it does is it brings different attributes to the game. So she's really sharp at the net. She, her returns are really good. Mm. And, you know, it's about confidence. Once you get that, once you get going in singles, you can you can do it as well. The Australians, um, you know, they, they and this is a, a slight dig coming from us Kiwis across the ditch, uh, <laughs> Simon, but the Australians obviously love to pump up the, the, all the players of theirs that are playing, uh, you know, whenever they're on court. And uh, we saw that last night with, uh, with Novak yeah. Djokovic. But... Um, on the woman's side, is there is there an Australian that stands out that you think might be able to just maybe not win it all, but but go a little bit deeper? Well, not really. I mean, they, they've got a good bunch of young players um, coming through, um, but there's not really one that stands out. It's not like you know you have a Coco Goff who who looks very capable and has shown that she's capable of winning a Grand Slam. So I think they're all pushing each other. But it's 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 more likely that one will make it to like third round or fourth round, and and that's a that's a good showing. If anyone gets further than that, I think that'll be they'll be very impressed. 
Mm. Uh, just before we leave the women's, uh, a couple of big names have gone out. At least Mertens, Caroline Garcia, both uh, both losing the big one. The six seed Ons Jabur um, knocked out by sixteen year old Russian sensation Mira Andreeva. It's the second uh, round to exit in as many Aussie Opens for Jabur and Andreeva, proving uh, in a very short time that she's uh, she's a pretty legitimate talent. Uh, first top ten win already up to number f- uh, thirty five. In the uh, in the live world rankings, of course, she won the uh, the Australian Open Junior Girls title and made uh, the fourth round of Wimbledon in the seniors last year. How how impressive, how special is uh, is Amira Andreeva? Yeah, she's very good. Uh, I mean, think you know, some some of these young players they look good. They're a little bit of a flash in the pan. They have a big moment and then that's it. Mm. But she looks like the real deal. As you said, she actually lost in the final of the juniors last year to um, another Russian girl, Korneva, in a match that went on for hours, three hours on Rod Laver Arena. So she was really pleased yesterday to get a win. She was great against Jabot. Jabot was definitely off colour. There was She was not her usual self. But that takes nothing away from Andreva. She's a young, breath of fresh air. She charms a press room when she's talking to you. She, she sort of, you know, she really... Um, I don't know. She's got a great personality. She is a f- fantastic player playing with no fear. I think that's what Caroline Wozniacki said about her yesterday. I think you'll see her go very high very soon but she's also got a really good head on her shoulders she's not she said i don't think i've achieved anything amazing yet mm. and, and that's you know that's a really good thing to hear from somebody so young she's based in france she's got a real sort of international character to her so she yeah she's got everything in her favor yeah and, and remarkable just 16 years of age um yeah. the, the woman's side uh look Iga Schwartek, I'm, i don't know is, is this the one simon she's she's only ever made the semi-finals at the aussie open is is this the one that you think she'll uh, she'll be able to, to break the back as the number one seed well, I think she's favourite, but she's also slightly vulnerable on in these conditions and on these courts and stuff. And in a, in a place that she hasn't yet won, she doesn't necessarily feel as comfortable as she does at Roland Garros, of course, where she's won three times mm. and she's won the US Open. Um, but there's no reason why she can't win. And, you know, the the, the big threats are Sabalenka, who won last year, Rebecca, who uh, was runner-up last year, former Wimbledon champion, and Goff. But, you know, the, the deeper Shiontek goes, the obviously, the more her confidence is going to rise. She's playing well enough. She is the number one. She is the best player in the world. So it's, it, it's probably a matter of time before she wins here. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know one of my favourite majors, the Aussie Open, particularly for the women's side, because it is just so open and you just see so many yeah. uh, new names that, that seem to come to the fore when it gets to the business end. Um, over to the men's side, uh, we'll start with the big one uh, last night. Novak Djokovic, uh, obviously a 10-time Aussie Open win. I think I read uh, a quote the other day from him saying the only person that can beat him as him uh, and I see uh, Stefano Tsitsipas jokingly saying uh, he's selfish for not letting anyone else uh, win any Aussie Open titles but in action <laughs> last night against uh, Alexi Popperin who's, a, who's an Australian tennis player and as you can imagine the home crowd very much on Popperin's side and things getting a little bit chippy between uh, Novak and a, and a fan Yeah I mean he, he sort of he's, he's not he's not quite himself here at the moment he's, he's maybe a little bit under the weather um, he said he'd been having a sort of cold or whatever for four or five days before before starting. So I think you know he he he's not as relaxed as he might be, and that re- that sort of translates itself into actions on court when he shouts at fans and and gets involved in difficult situations. I mean, last night he was uh, he had three four set points to go two sets to one down. He mm. was uh, love forty down at four five in the in the third. So he was right on the edge. Uh, and that's when sometimes uh, his ten- his temper can spill over. But he got through it as he so often does, and that's the that's the thing. 
he he's obviously such a well not such but he, but he can be a bit of a polarizing figure. Novak, you go around, uh, you go around the world following um, the players at various tournaments. Simon, in general, how how is he uh, often received by home crowds? Is it a little bit more difficult for him than other players because of that polarizing nature, or is he pretty sort of universally appreciated? It's just every now and then, you know, a couple of fans get out of line. I think he's universally appreciated. It's just that when it's when it's a home player, especially. Um, uh, or or somebody who's a, a crowd favourite against mm. him, then you know, then he sort of feels he sort of takes umbrage against that sometimes. But he also uses it as fuel to the fire. Um, you know, you're right that he is a polar polarising character in many ways. Um, but and he's perhaps not as universally loved as as a couple of other players in, in the, on the tour or who were on the tour. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, he, I think he uses it. He likes, you know, you've you've heard him talk before about saying, oh, I, I just I like to say that they're cheering for me, and then that, that makes me that makes me play better. But some, somehow he gets through these matches. Yeah, absolutely. Well, most of the big names still involved on the men's side as well. Carlos Alcaraz in action today. Uh, how, how do you think the men's draw is, is shaping up? Is it is it as simple as a as a Alcaraz Djokovic final? It's not as simple as that because you've got some other pretty red hot players in there. Especially, I would th- I would say Yannick Sinner, the Italian, is the, is the one who's most likely to stop that happening. He's in Djokovic's half. I think they would play in the semi-finals. Um, you've got Medvedev, who's always a threat here. Um, you've got Sitsipas, you've got Holger Rune, you've got Kasper Ruud, who's actually looking good. The Norwegian, who mm. um, he, he revealed that he'd, he'd been, he trained too hard, he put on too much muscle this time last year, and it took him a while to sort of get rid of that and get back into the sort of tennis that he he normally plays. So I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he does well too. But I mean, it does look Djokovic. Djokovic looks vulnerable. Mm. He looks more vulnerable this year than he has in in previous, outside of when he's had injuries. So there is an opportunity for someone to to, to take the title. Before uh, before we before we let you go, Simon, um, I want to talk about the Aussie Open um, just as a, an event as a whole. I read this morning that forty percent of visitors to the Aussie Open don't actually watch a game; they uh, they go to enjoy <laughs> they go to enjoy the you know the experience and the whole area that that uh, in and around that tennis complex in Melbourne. Can you give us a sense of what it's like on the ground there, and perhaps how it differs to some of the other majors? Well, it's really changed uh, in the last five years or so, really. They really made a massive effort to make it an event, mm. you know, a bit like a big racing day or what, something like that. Um, it is, if you come inside, there are numerous places to just sit and have a beer or nice, something nice to eat, uh, places to relax. That you, And there's big, there are big screens everywhere, so you don't have to actually go on court to watch a match. And I, I, I also read, I think, that people are dressing up more than they used to. Which is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean they've made it an event. It, it Wimbledon is it, Wimbledon is uh, also a sort of, you know, Wimbledon is a uh, is more about the tennis, but it's also a place to be seen. Yeah, and and to go to, um, it's not as big a sprawling uh, venue as, as as the Aussie Open is now. Uh, French Open is very uh, sm- small but very chic. Um, really beautifully done, and the U.S. Open is like a riot. It's <laughs> a concrete jungle, but noisy yeah. as hell, and uh, you know people are drinking and yeah. eating all over. So it, it gets a bit rowdy there too. But it's yeah, it's definitely um, they they all have their unique characteristics, and it's it's fascinating to see. Yeah, and I read um, the, obviously they made the change to allow spectators take their seats between each game rather than you know during the ends. Yeah. Um, I also saw that they're they're talking about in the future your food getting delivered via a drone. Uh, so you don't even have to get out of your seat, Simon. This is what this is what tennis at the Aussie Open is coming to. But how how does that sort of affect, I guess, uh, like the players? What's the sense from them? You know, would they rather just sort of focus on the tennis, or do they really sort of get in behind that that event and sort of, I guess, festival type vibe? It, it varies a bit uh, from player to player. But to be honest, I don't think they like 
the fact that people can mill around uh, during the like after a game instead of after a changeover. Mm. Except they don't mind it on the side of the courts because that's not in their eye line. But when it's right behind the server's arm, that's that's the difficult that's a difficulty because they're so used to trying to judge and track the ball. And and that is vital to returning a serve, etc. So I think it's it's something they'd have to get used to. It's not been too bad. Um, and if you think about it on the outside courts, there's much more movement around them anyway. Yeah. So I, I think it's something that the top players will have to take a little bit more time to get used to. I can't imagine a drone delivering food working. <laughs> that sounds like oh. somebody came up with that in a room somewhere and, and everyone, oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, and it only takes one rogue drone to uh, to ruin exactly, it all. Exactly, yeah. And what, what have you got to look forward to uh, this afternoon, Simon, what are you what are you hitting along to and covering? Uh, well, I mean, we're sort of you know as usual with these things, we're across as much of it as you can. Um, but uh, looking forward to seeing Alcaraz today. See see how he gets on. Um, I think he needs to. He hasn't played. He didn't play a tournament before this this uh, Australian Open, so he's a little bit rusty. Mm. Um, but he needs to hit the ground running. Looking forward to seeing him. Always a joy to watch him play. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Uh, Simon, really appreciate you coming on as always, uh, my friend. Hopefully the weather uh, turns around a little bit today in Melbourne and you enjoy a little bit of that sun, my friend. Thanks heaps for coming on. No, I can't complain. Thanks very much. <laughs>